Good morning, everyone. It is such a blessing to be with you. Please give some love on the chat to our worship team. It's awesome to hear their voices and to see them lifting up their praises. As I was singing uh, Shield About Me in this room, I was thinking that, yes, God is the lifter of our heads, but they truly are part of that right now. And so I'm so thankful to everyone who's able to be up here with the worship that is happening and the tech team. Without them, I don't know how our church could be surviving during this time, but I'm so thankful for all the gifts and talents that they bring to our church consistently. Again, God is the lifter of our heads, but they help to remind us of that. So I hope that these songs uh, will be playing throughout your head um, throughout the next week. I hope that you go back and, and watch this again and again so that you'll be blessed. We are so thankful and so appreciative of the amazing talent that we have here. After my sermon today, we will be sharing in communion. So if you want to go grab and get ready for that, you are welcome to do so. We are continuing our series called The Struggle is Real because as we are consistently saying in 2020, the struggle is very real. I don't know if you would have known the hardest year of your life before this year, but I know for me, this is the thing that will come to mind forever maybe. This is a really difficult year. It feels like things just keep stacking on top of each other. Just last week, my kids and I were driving over to my mom's house, and we were heading over. It was um, about dark time, and we were heading over that way to see some lights that she had in her backyard. And on the way over, we drove down just a normal residential street in Burbank, and on the right side of this street, there was a white cat. And then on the left side of the street, there was a coyote. And then on the right side of the street, there was a raccoon carrying a baby raccoon in its mouth. And that's been the highlight of my kids' quarantine. They continue to talk about it and tell everyone that will listen. So just if you're missing them at church, just know that would be the story that you would be perhaps getting. And I was thinking this was somewhat metaphorical for 2020. It just keeps happening. Weird stuff is happening all around us. Hard stuff. It feels a little bit like the book of Revelation. We're not sure what to make of the animals, but they're there. And we're trying to figure out exactly what that means. 2020 has a lot that is happening and I think for the first time, some of us who are people of faith are really wondering, oh, what is God doing? What is happening? What do you do when God seems inattentive or absent or late? And sometimes preachers like me can make this just a little bit too hard to understand. We can sometimes make it sound pretty simple. You know, we wrap up something in about 25 or 30 minutes, sometimes 40 if you really have something to say, but you wrap it up and everything comes in a nice bow and it feels like it's okay. Or perhaps it's Christians who sometimes will say, hey, I was praying to God and I needed a parking space. And then all of a sudden it opened up and I found it. I was so thankful for that. And you want to give that person a holy slap, even though you don't, because you're thinking, hold on, God gave you a parking space? I've been praying to God to heal my marriage. Or I've been praying to God to get me a job. I prayed to God for my friend who died of cancer way too soon. And God gave you a parking space? And what do you do when God seems inattentive or late. I know for all of us, in varying levels and degrees, we're going through some hard stuff in 2020. I think we can gain some wisdom and perspective from a very tragic story that happens to a very good person in the New Testament. John the Baptist is, I would argue, portrayed in Scripture as the perfect person in some ways. 
we don't see any flaws that he had. I'm sure he had them, but we don't see them. And as he is preparing the way for Jesus in the Gospels, it's just unbelievable what he does. He acts perfectly. The scriptures tell us that he's outside of town. He's this wild man who's preaching this message of repentance and like the whole countryside, everybody is coming to see him. God, and John doesn't let that get to his head. He doesn't let that fame and the acclaim that he's starting to receive make him feel too prideful. What John continues to say is, you won't believe who's coming next. I'm just a preview of coming attractions. And in fact, let me tell you that I'm not even worthy to untie the sandals of the one who's coming behind me. You won't even believe Jesus. And later in John's life, he acts, I would argue, very appropriately again. There's this crazy political family um, that comes from the line of King Herod. King Herod was called King Herod the Great, not because he was a great guy. Uh, He actually was a pretty terrible person, but he had great power. In fact, the historian says that it was better to be one of King Herod's swine than one of his sons. And that's telling because he didn't necessarily treat his swine all that well either. They'd be killed for the feasts that they would often have. But his sons, there's always political power and crazy things happening. It was this competition. And when King Herod passes the, the throne onto his sons, he splits it up. The first one named um, Archelaus uh, becomes leader in Judea. Herod Antipas led in Galilee and Herod Philip led in Jordan. So the kingdom is split up, but there's always power plays going on and things that are happening between these three people. Herod Philip marries Herodias, who's a very beautiful woman, and they get married. But then later, Herod Antipas is like, hey, I love you. And Herodias is like, I love you too. So she divorces her husband and marries her husband's brother. I mean, this is just tabloid stuff and it's in the Bible. So she becomes the queen of Galilee and they move in together in what's called the Herodium, which is a palace and they start to rule from there. Now for the population around that area, which was largely Jewish, this was very upsetting and it was wrong and certainly not what they should have done. And so different people start to call it out, most notably John the Baptist, who raises his hand and he speaks out and says, this is wrong. And I would say John the Baptist is on the right side of history here. And we all collectively want to be on the right side of history as we think about coronavirus and uh, some of the things that we're dealing with, with racial injustices that we're seeing. We want to be on the right side of history. We want to call out the things that we need to call out. And John the Baptist does it. He says, hold up, this isn't right. So we see in Mark chapter 6, verses 17 through 20, for Herod himself had given orders to have John arrested, and he had him bound and put in prison. He did this because of Herodias, his brother Philip's wife, whom he had married. That's just a mouthful of a sentence, but it's in there. It's in the Bible. Some people think the Bible's boring, but these are the kind of things that are in there. For John had been saying to Herod, it is not lawful for you to have your brother's wife. So Herodias nursed a grudge against John and wanted to kill him. But she was not able to because Herod feared John and protected him, knowing that he was a righteous and holy man. When Herod heard John, he was greatly puzzled, yet he liked to listen to him. 
I, I love how that ends. That's another sermon for another time. But that when he hears John preaching and teaching, he's a little bit confused and not sure about it, yet he likes to hear it. He's intrigued by the message that John has. Herod, really probably more afraid politically of an insurrection if he was to kill John, who was a hero of the people, he decides that it's better to just leave him in prison. He doesn't listen to his wife as she says, let's kill this man. So John, the cousin of Jesus, the one who acts correctly, who just points continually to the ministry of Jesus, he finds himself in prison. Prison isn't a good place to be in our day and time, but it was a terrible place to be then. You'd have to depend on people to bring you food for your sustenance. It was just thought, yeah, if they die in here, who really cares? So John starts to ask some questions. This is hard for me to experience. Jesus, remember all that stuff that I did for you? All that ministry that I didn't remember why I'm in here? Because I called out something that was wrong? Remember when I used to say, I'm not even worthy to untie your sandals? Remember that? Remember, I'm that guy. I did all the right stuff. I feel like I said the right things. Now I find myself in prison. So where are you at? What's going on? So in the Gospel of Matthew, we see John, who had disciples just like Jesus, people who would follow close to him. They send this message to Jesus. Are you the one who is to come, or should we expect someone else? And this, I think, is a perfectly legitimate question. Are you really the one who is to come, or should we wait on somebody else? Because I've done everything that I believe you could ask of me, and yet I find myself in this very difficult almost impossible to endure situation. Faith right now, it's not working for me in the way that I would want it to or the way that I would expect. And this happens to all of us at times, especially as we experience pain like we're enduring during 2020. Pain gives us blinders. All we can see and seem to experience is what's hard. Early on in our marriage, there was one day that Mandy came home and I was laying on the couch distraught. And she said, Brian, what's wrong? Because she knew I was setting her up for that question. And I said, oh, I have a really bad canker sore. And she didn't show me much pity that day. She lovingly said, you probably need to just tough that one out. But that's what happens sometimes when we have pain. All we can do is think about that painful situation when perhaps you've broken something like a pinky and all of a sudden you realize just how important that thing is. You never thought about your pinky before, but now you realize, well, this is actually an important part of my body. And all we can do is think about once my pinky heals, then everything is going to get better. It's not just canker sores or little injuries that can happen. It's the times when things are hard, like John is experiencing, when the pain of his situation is incredibly difficult, that he begins to doubt. He says, hey, this prison isn't a great place to be. And come on, I've done, I believe, what you would want me to do. So where are you at? 
Should we expect someone else? Because, hold up, you've been doing some miracles and some great stuff. I've been recognizing some of that stuff. Like, why don't you do it for me? And I love the response that Jesus gives. He doesn't do a couple things. He doesn't say, of course I'm the one. Stop doubting. He also doesn't say, yeah, I'm the one. And I'm coming. Like, here's a cake that I baked with the key to your prison. Now just take this and get yourself out. He doesn't do either of those things. What he calls John to do is, I think, something that Jesus would call us to do. He says, tell John this. Go back and report what you hear and see. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and good news is being proclaimed to the poor. Blessed is anyone who doesn't stumble on account of me. As Jesus receives this message, he says to John, and he says to us as we endure hard times, can you lift your eyes up just a little bit? Yeah. It's a really hard situation. But can you understand that I'm still at work? That I'm raising dead people? That I'm giving people who are blind their sight? That God's good work is not done? just because your life in this moment is very difficult. And can you please just lift your eyes up a little bit? And he says, blessed are you who don't stumble on account of me, basically meaning blessed are you when you continue to walk in faith, when I don't do something that you think I should do or when something happens that you think I should have prevented. This is why I think it's so important for us. And I hope maybe during this season that you've realized, and if you aren't part of a church, we'd love to welcome you to be part of our church. as a home in LA and around the world as we are trying to be a place where people can find God during this difficult time. I hope that you're part of something that helps you to lift your eyes up from time to time to recognize that God is at work and that good things are happening even as our lives are hard right now. As things seem out of control, as things are, are difficult and tough for us to go through. I'm so thankful for the ministry of this church. You all inspire me to be a better person and you help me as sometimes I get a bit depressed as sometimes I just experience the weight of this as we are going through seemingly a, a second punch of coronavirus before we even get to the second wave. As we are enduring all of these difficult things together, at times it's easy for me to look at the pain that is in my world, the things that I can't look away from and only see those things. But you all inspire me to think about the good things that our church is doing during this season tonight. A group of volunteers from our church will take food to the Essentia shelter and serve 50 residents there. They won't be able to go inside and actually serve the food, but they're gonna drop that food 
off. Toward the beginning of our quarantine time, it was our turn to host for Family Promise, where families come and stay at our building. And we weren't able to do that during that time. And Family Promise came to us and said, to help these families during this week, we need $1,000. And you all raised $2,000 just a few weeks ago. We were able to raise $17,000 from your generous gifts to bless Chris and Crystal Settlemeyer's work in Nairobi, Kenya, among some of the poorest of the poor in the world. I hope that you have a place that you can lift your eyes to and recognize that even during this season, which is hard on us, we have a place that we can remember that God is still at work. There are people in our city tonight who are going to be fed because of this church. There are homeless families who we took care of a couple months back and we'll have the opportunity to do again probably in a few weeks. And starving kids in Nairobi, Kenya will be fed because of your work. Can we lift our eyes up a bit and remember to not just focus in on the pain, to recognize that God is at work. Later in this conversation in Matthew chapter 11, verse 11, Jesus says this, Truly I tell you, among those born of a woman, there has not risen anyone greater than John the Baptist. Think about that statement. Among those born of a woman. Several weeks ago, I made a graph, and people just loved the graph so much that I'm going to show you another one. On this side is those born of a woman, and it's everyone. On the other side of the graph, those not born of a woman, and it's no one. So I hope that that helps to illustrate my point well that as Jesus is making this bold declaration, he's saying, among those born of a woman, so that's the everyone side, among those born of a woman, there's not someone greater than John. When he talks about John the Baptist, you can almost hear him beaming in this moment. Among those born of a woman, there's just simply not someone greater than John. I love John. I'm inspired by his ministry. I'm so thankful how he has been faithful to me. John the Baptist, I love that guy. But nope. I'm not going to go break him out of prison. Nope. Things aren't necessarily going to turn out. As he thinks they probably should. Honestly, how he deserves. Can you recognize that when God seems inattentive, when God seems silent, that doesn't mean that God doesn't love you, care for you, and that God isn't still active in the world and still caring for you. The story of John the Baptist ends up in a pretty horrific 
moment. King Herod and his friends have a big party. And it tells us this in Mark chapter 6, starting in verse 21. Finally, the opportune time came. On his birthday, Herod gave a banquet for his high officials and military commanders and the leading men of Galilee. When the daughter of Herodias came in and danced, she pleased Herod and his dinner guests. The king said to the girl, ask me for anything you want and I'll give it to you. And he promised her with an oath, whatever you ask, I will give to you up to half my kingdom. So she goes out and she asks her mother, what is it that I should ask for? The head of John the Baptist, her mom replies. At once, the girl hurried into the king with this request. I want you to give me right now the head of John the Baptist on a platter. The first question you ask from that story is, what kind of dance was that? And I got to say, I would show it to you, but this is uh, rated G, so I, I can't. And you have to think, like, what? I mean, obviously, this is a crazy party scene, and he's likely been drinking quite a bit. And so for him to say that, but just imagine what kind of dance would you have to see for you to say, I'll give you up to half of what I have. This is a pretty unbelievable thing. But then Herodias, seeing that her daughter has opened up this opportunity for her, she says, I want you to get me this man's head. This is where John's story ends. And we look at it and say, that simply does not make sense. I don't understand. Why would this happen? Why would Jesus not help him out perhaps earlier before this party happens so John could be out? Wouldn't it make more sense for John the Baptist to be out of prison instead of in prison? He's done everything right. This doesn't seem fair. Doesn't it make sense for John's ministry and life to continue, he's in prison unfairly. God, why wouldn't you let him go? Reminds me a bit of the words of Paul, who writes about a thorn in his flesh. And he says, three times I pleaded with God. And you get this understanding that he has just gone before God and said again and again and again, God, can you please take this away from me? Three different times. And I love that we don't know what the thorn in Paul's flesh is. You get the idea that he's saying, you don't understand, I, I could minister better for you. I'm sold out as your disciple. Haven't I proven that already? If you could just take care of this situation, whatever it happens to be, and I love that we don't know what it is because we are all gonna have moments, I think, in our lives like that where we say, God, like, wouldn't it make more sense for you to take this away from me? Wouldn't it make more sense if in your grace you could say, yeah, I'm going to get rid of that so, you can serve, so I can serve you more faithfully? And Paul asked that question. John asked that question. And I have to say I'm thankful that as we ask that question, we know that Jesus did too. That as he is coming to the end of his life, which he knows about, he's been preparing for, but as his human side is starting to really recognize, oh, this is about to be the end, this is going to be hard, Jesus prays, God, if you could just take this from me, if there's any other way to make this happen, God, can you please do that? 2,000 years later, we're still talking about God's inactivity in the life of John the Baptist, in the life of Paul. 
in the life of Jesus. As we go through this incredibly hard year, and I know that all of us are experiencing it differently, some way more severely than others, may we find ways to see and experience the sustaining grace of God. And think of Jesus' answer to John's question. Should we expect someone else? Or what's happening? Where are you at? May we hear Jesus' response to us. Yeah, this is really hard. I'm not going to tell you not to doubt. I'm not going to just flippantly reply, but can you please lift your eyes up just a little bit to see the good things that are in this world? Can you participate in bringing God's grace to the people who need it? May you recognize that your personal circumstances don't reflect God's love and care for you. Because truly, I tell you, among those born of a woman, there's not someone I love more than John. John has been faithful to me, but nope, I'm not going to fix this one in the way that he would have wanted. I think of Corey Ten Boom and her sister Betsy. Corey Ten Boom is a Holocaust survivor. Unfortunately, during the concentration camp, her sister Betsy died. Corey Ten Boom in one of her books, she writes about an experience that they had. They were Christians who were arrested for keeping Jews safe during the Holocaust. And a few weeks into their stay at Ravensbrück, which was a brutal concentration camp, she and her sister were reflecting on her experience. She recalls a conversation where they were talking about how even though this was really hard, they could understand that men could do these terrible things because they can turn away from the heart of God and treat people terribly. They said what was most difficult for them to endure and understand was the barracks that they were staying in, number 28, was filled with fleas. It was just awful in there. And she and her sister said, we can understand some of this stuff that we're enduring and that people made some terrible choices. This is an awful situation. But what about the fleas? God, what about the fleas? Can you please fix that situation? She said a couple weeks later, her sister Betsy came to her. She said she overheard a conversation between two of the prison guards. And the guards were infamous for going through these barracks and sometimes just killing people for no reason to incite fear, sometimes just brutally hurting and torturing the people in these barracks. Corey Ten Boom's sister heard the two guards talking. And they said, yeah, what about number 28? And one of the guards said, I never go in there because the fleas are terrible there. What was incredibly hard for her and her sister to understand ended up being something that was oddly and weirdly a blessing. Corey Ten Boom's writings continue to change the world. And it's possible we wouldn't have them without the fleas. May we see 
and hear and seek the good news of God. Even during this time, may we hear the words of Jesus as he says to John, John, may you lift your eyes up. May you see these hard things through the lens of hope because I have not abandoned you. I'm still here and I love you so much. This is not going to end how you want it to end. But may you join in God's good work in the world. May you choose to not just hone in on whatever is causing you pain. But may you lift your eyes up and see the hope of God. Church, I hope that as we continue this struggle, we would find ways that we can be part of being God's hands and feet in the world. I'm so thankful for the ways you've been faithful already. I pray that we will continue to do so because we need people in our world today who will choose to see the goodness, love, and hope of God and participating in showing the love of God to those who desperately need it right now. Thank you for the ways you've already shown that to our world in 2020. And I challenge you to continue to do it more and more because as we lift our eyes up, we're able to not just focus on our own pain and what keeps us sad and sometimes spirals into really difficult stuff. It helps us to see the work of God. Yes, is outside of our prison walls at times. And yet we need to join in. Let's pray. God, may we do your work in the world. This is an incredibly hard time for some of us more than others. People have lost work. People are sick. People are scared. It's all uncertain. May we choose to lift up your holy name with the way that we live. May we choose to look outside of the walls of our own pain and see the little glimpses of grace, how they come to us in different ways. Father, may we show your light and your love to our hurting world. Be representatives of your son wherever we go. May we hear that word of hope that Jesus gives to John. Truly, I tell you, I love you so much. Father, may we seek and understand that love during this time. Your son, Jesus, I pray. Amen.